Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What are the five conversations you need to have with your boss? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. Today, we're going to talk about getting up to speed in a new job or role faster than ever before. But first, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter at leadx.org. Each issue has actionable tips you can try right away to advance your career and to fulfill your potential. Visit leadx.org. Our guest today is the author of the mega international bestseller, The First 90 Days, and the co-founder of Genesis Advisors, a leadership onboarding and transition acceleration company. He has spent two decades working with leaders as they transition to new roles, negotiate the future of their organizations, and craft their legacy as leaders. Our guest is Dr. Michael Watkins. Welcome, Michael. Great to be here, Kevin. Oh, thanks for joining us. Now, we're going to talk about the first 90 days in just a minute, but I want to start by asking a couple of questions that our listeners are always curious about. And the first is this whole notion and debate around work-life balance. Like, what are your thoughts on it, and do you have any tips uh, for people who want to achieve it? Yeah, it, it's a great question in the context of what I do, because really, you know, the book and the work and the research and the consulting and teaching I do is really about helping leaders transition into new roles. And it's actually among the times when it's hardest to make work-life balance happen because you're kind of, you know, drinking from a fire hose metaphorically. You know, you may even not be living in the place you were living in the former jobs. You may be in sort of transitional housing arrangements. You're really sort of focused, focused, focused on the job. So, so when I'm counseling people in those situations, you know, what I'm basically saying is, unfortunately, your work-life balance is going to go out the window for a little while, right? But let's make sure it doesn't go out the window for too long. And, you know, let's be very specific about when critical elements of your work-life balance are going to come back into play again. When are you going to start really focusing on exercise? When are you going to start reducing the hours that you're working and getting more sleep? And so, you know, for me, as someone who works with leaders in transition, I'm both counseling them to prepare themselves not to have it for a while and to prepare their families that they're not going to be as accessible as, as they used to be, but also making sure it doesn't become a bad habit, uh, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to me, especially since uh, exercise went out the window for nine days for me, but I just got back on my program today. I didn't let it fall away for uh, for too long. That's awesome. So, Michael, here on the LeadX show, we say everybody's a leader because leadership is influence. We lead at home with our, our kids or our spouse. We lead at work or our place of worship. Tell us about a time uh, when you have failed as a leader and what did you learn from it? So it's, it's a great question, right? Because, I, you know, in some ways I'm not leading in the sense of being an executive, although I am, you know, involved in the management of a consulting company and I, you know, do some work in the – um, educational institution I'm a part of, but the, what came to mind immediately was actually a failed coaching engagement. Um, and it's probably one of two or three examples in my career where I really failed, you know, to get us in this case, a CEO to move in a direction that would have resulted in his survival. And, um, in fact, in the real situation, um, he was fired, right? Basically mm. about a, a month and a half after I started coaching him. 
And I, you know, you kind of go back over your mind afterwards, and it, it struck me that there were some things I hadn't done to really make, you know, clear to him how serious the situation was and how certain kinds of behaviors really were serving him very badly, because what got him fired was continuing to do those behaviors. Right. And so I really kind of, you know, reproached myself that I was kind of ineffective in that particular situation. Um, it's not quite a leadership situation. It's a, a leadership counseling situation, but that's what came immediately to, uh, to mind. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that one. So Michael, your best-selling book is the first 90 days proven strategies for getting up to speed faster and smarter. It's really the Bible and has been for a while now for anyone that's got a new job in a new company or being promoted into a new role. And uh, I'm looking at the hardcover version on my desk, which it, it, I'm looking at all the dog-eared pages. Um, <laughs> my, my, my dad would groan because he always taught me to, to treat a book like an egg. He so loved books. But I use them as tools, and there's, there's dozens of pages that I've got folded back. So because we have limited time, I only want to uh, hit on, on some of them. But let's start at the beginning. You know, you say that when you get promoted, you need to start by preparing yourself. What do you mean by that? Well, so every major move you make, right? And, and I mean, let's give you two really quick examples. Joining a new company, right? Coming in from the outside, joining a new company, a new culture, a new political system. Uh, and a second class example would be promoted to a new, a new level. You have to stop and ask yourself not just what you need to learn, but what you need to unlearn, right? And what is what is really going to take you, you know, to the place you need to, to go in this new organization? For example, if you don't have a lot of experience working with different organizational cultures, you can get into a lot of trouble if you think that the culture of your new organization is going to be similar to the culture of your old organization. So you need to kind of prepare yourself in that sense to you know, join a very different political and social system. Same story with promoted promotion transitions, right? What got you here and Marshall Goldsmith's words won't necessarily get you there, right? What is it that's going to take for you to be effective in that new, uh, in that, at that new level? What do you have to do more of, but critically, what do you have to do less of? And that's the sort of thing I mean by preparing yourself. Yeah, and that, that's what really came through to me uh, in your writing is, is <laughs> I think I'm guilty of it and say, hey, whatever I was just doing, whatever my style was, whatever my approach was, it must have worked. I just got promoted. But all of a sudden, if you're working at a higher level, quote unquote, higher level in an organization, you know, maybe uh, maybe you need to be delegating more than you did in your last as just a, a one type of behavior you'd need to change. Well, that's a great example, right? And it may not be delegating more. It may be delegating differently, right? It may be that you used to delegate tasks and now you don't need to delegate full projects or now you need to delegate complete businesses, right? Mm. And so, so I, one thing I say, and you're right on, Kevin, is as you, anytime you take a new role, you need to rethink how you need to delegate. And, and if you, if it's the same, terrific, but the likelihood is that it's going to be. Yeah. And then what I really like to me, this, uh, I got an emotional reaction. I think of all the bosses I've worked with that it, things would have gone so much better if I had known of your work before then. Um, you have a chapter about negotiating success. And yep. actually, you talk about having these five kinds of conversations with your, your new boss to make sure you get to that negotiated success. Tell us about some or all of those conversations. Sure. So, so the big issue here is really making sure that you're as aligned as possible with your boss and potentially with other key stakeholders, right? Could be peers, could be other, other, you know, power parties in the organization. One of the most common reasons why people fail going into new roles is the expectations they built up during the, 
recruiting or promotion process turn out not to really hold up when they get into the role. And so I have a structure of conversations you go through to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Mm. And it starts really with the situational conversation, which is, is my view of what I'm here to do the same as the boss's? Right? Am I here to turn something around? Am I here to sustain success? Am I here to accelerate growth? Because if I think I'm doing one of those and he or she thinks I'm doing another, that's a big problem. Right? right. Second one, expectations. I, you know, are we clear about what success looks like over what time frame? You know, using if important, what kinds of approaches and methods do I need to use? Who do I need to bring along with me? You know, so being as crystal clear about expectations as you possibly can is the second is the second big conversation. And and that's to some degree a negotiation as you get to more senior levels, right? When at junior levels, you know, do this, hand it in my next, you know, Tuesday. When you get to the level of running complete businesses, there is a negotiation over what you're going to deliver and in what time frame. Right. Third conversation resources, right? What are the resources you have available to you? to get done what you need to get done. And that can include headcount. It can include, you know, funding. It can also include how much commitment of your boss's time are you going to have to really make the case for change, for example. And then there's two conversations that are have a slightly different kind of um, slant to them. Uh, the st- I call it the style conversation, right? How are we going to communicate and interact in a way that's going to make sure that we are effective together? And, you know, you look, for example, at um, influence style or uh, the way that someone prefers to be communicated with, right? Are they more uh, face-to-face, I need to talk it through with you kind of person or, you know, drop me a, a message of some form? Do you like more detail, less detail? Um, you know, when can I wake you up in the middle of the night? Um, clarity about that, you know, set of things can really help shape um, the early interactions, because otherwise differences in communication style, infant style can be sources of, uh, of irritation if you're not, if you're not careful. And the onus is really on the, on the, on the person reporting to the leader to adjust their approach to kind of match the leader. You shouldn't expect your, your boss is going to alter their communication style to kind of um, fit you. And then the final one, and it's not one that happens necessarily right away in a transition. It's something I typically like to see people get into around the 90-day mark, which is personal development conversation in the sense of what am I doing well? What am I not doing so well? You know, getting that early, often informal feedback, because what the research shows consistently is people taking new roles often don't get feedback early enough and therefore get themselves into much more trouble than really needs to be the case because people tend to be a little bit hands-off. Let's give Kevin time, right, to kind of right. find his, his feet. And so, you, you know, going out and having that personal development conversation, you know, pushing to get some feedback, make sure you can make course corrections before you end up in, in really deep trouble. And, and and these are great, you know, th- these these conversations. And, you know, I would encourage <laughs> if you haven't yet covered all these bases with your current boss, you know, you, you don't need to just use these the next time you get a new job or new promotion. Go have these conversations now. And, and I would also say as a as a manager, as a leader, you know, use this almost as a checklist of like, OK, are you really have you really given the support and, and the information that your direct reports need. And even at Michael's, you're going through it. I've hired 
three people in the last, I don't know, two months. And as you're talking, all of a sudden I'm, I'm feeling little dings inside. And so I was like, <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't think I've actually covered that one <laughs> just yet. So, you know, as, as whether you're, uh, you are the direct report and are trying to manage up or you're the leader trying to get the most from your team members, like I think these five conversations are just gold and just would save so much time. Uh, fires to put out, heartache, and and all the rest to have the conversations and to keep having them, uh, you know, on a regular basis as well. Well, that's a great point, and you and what you're also pointing out that's important, Kevin, is you can use those same conversations to work with your own reports, right? So so it so you know you can use it to work with a boss for sure, but it's very productive to think about using it with people you've hired or brought into your organization. That's great. So what about, uh, you know, you're, you've, you're taking on the new position, but that new position also means you have a new team. So you've got people you haven't worked with before. You didn't hire them. Uh, maybe, maybe your new boss had some say in hiring them. How can you evaluate the team members? Yeah. So, so you're, you're sort of at the heart of something I'm very interested in these days, which is the problem of leading the team you inherit. Yeah. And the reality, as you said, Kevin, exactly is most leaders don't get to build their teams. They get to inherit somebody else's team. And that team may have been shaped by their predecessor, their predecessor's predecessor, by their boss. There may have been a variety of influences. You know, so there's basic questions about are these people the people I need? to take me where I want to go, right? That And that's a basic question that you go through, you know, as you assess. And then beyond that, how am I going to align these people powerfully in the direction that I think we should be going? Am I going to shift the roles and responsibilities in important ways to better match their capabilities to what we need to do or to the new strategy that we're going to be, you know, going after? How, how do we create an, I think of it as an operating system for the team that's going to make us run as efficiently and as effectively as possible. And how do we shape the right team culture to make sure, for example, we can have those those difficult conversations where there is disagreement, but we can have transparency. You know, how do we how do we build trust in the team? So there's a lot of work here you need to do when you're inheriting a team and reshaping it that is not the same at all if you're building a team from scratch. Right. How long might it take for for someone, you know, using your tools to sort of get to that answer? Like, yeah, these are the right people for my team. And, you know, there's some uh, some storming to get through or we've got to adjust the culture, but it's good. Or how long does it take to, you know, think, OK, we're all pretty yep. good here, but that Kevin guy is going to have to go. Yep. So, you know, I'm an academic originally, uh, and my answer to every question like that, Kevin, is it depends, right? And so, but then the question is, what does it depend on? And what <laughs> it depends on a lot is um, what kind of situation you're in, right? So, for example, if you're in a turnaround situation and it's pretty clear the team has failed, you may be moving extremely quickly to replace a good portion of that mm. team. You're coming into a situation where the name of the game is realignment or sustaining success, you may be spending six months before you really reach conclusions about reshaping the team and the degree to which you reshape it may be quite different than if it was a more serious kind of circumstance. I'm working with a CEO right now, um, healthcare company, and he's now been in position for a little over a year and I've been coaching him through his transition into his new role. And it's only now after a year that he's got the full team in place. Wow. That, he, that he he needs to go forward. Now, it wasn't a burning platform, 
right? It was it was something that is in need of transformation and realignment, but it wasn't a crisis. Had it been a crisis, he would have been moving much more quickly, and I would have been counseling him to move much more quickly. That makes sense. So before we wrap up, Michael, we like to challenge our listeners to become you know 1% better every single day. So what's a specific thing that you can challenge our listeners to try to do at work today? Sure. So, so one idea I've been working a lot with lately is the degree to which leaders are really able to connect themselves at an emotional level to the people that they're leading. And, you know, for some people that comes incredibly naturally. For others, it, it really is a struggle. And the struggle, to my mind, really revolves around the degree to which you are comfortable with revealing things about yourself. Right. So the challenge I, I give to leaders these days is how do you increase the amount of safe and I want to underline the word safe, self-revelation mm. as a way of increasing your connection to the, the people you're leading and, in fact, the people you're following. Emphasis on safe, not not something that's going to make people uncomfortable. No, no, you're not going to say, you know, <laughs> hey, I was out partying last weekend. Gosh, I, you know, I, it, 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 it happened again. <laughs> I blacked out and I can't remember most of the weekend, right? Whereas it could be, you know, maybe it's maybe it's, you know, some activities you're engaged in, you know, maybe it's it's a little bit about what what you're doing for your holidays. But, you know, for some leaders, there's a real reluctance to bring mm. anything personal into the right the workplace. And for those leaders, they, they miss an opportunity to connect themselves more deeply. And sometimes it's because, you know, they feel like, you know, they're, they're kind of um you know, faking right. it till they make it, right? And so feeling too much about themselves may reveal insecurity. Obviously, you don't want to say, you know, hey, I think I feel like I'm faking it until I make it, you know, and frankly, <laughs> I'm faking it mostly these days, you know. But so that's unsafe self-revelation, right? But there are even still things that people like that can do to kind of bias themselves in the, in the direction of more connection uh, with people. And And if you're one of those people that, you know, tends to be pretty reticent about what you reveal about yourself. I really challenge you to think about upping the, the amount of safe self-revelation that you, uh, you engage in. Thanks for all the value you brought today, Michael. What's the best way our listeners can find out more about you and your company? Mm -hmm. So the company is Genesis Advisors with an ERS at the end. Um, our website, um, genesisadvisors.com. We specialize in accelerating transitions and helping organizations help their people get up to speed more quickly. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Dr. Michael Watkins. Check out the first 90 days on Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. You can get all the links mentioned and show notes from this interview over at LeadX.org. And if you've gotten even one new idea from this show, just take a minute to leave a short, honest review on iTunes or Stitcher. Because the more reviews a podcast has, the more likely it is that iTunes will show it off to new people. Until next time, remember, you don't need a title to be a leader. It's not about power or authority. Leadership is influence. How are you going to lead today? <laughs>